0: imagine that you're a new christian you're you're freshly baptized and and you've been going to the temple prostitute your whole life and it's just a part of well if you have an urge you go and 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 now you're a christian and paul's saying well now that you're in christ you can't fornicate pastor john
1: this is pastor tim
0: and this is the one and only every Every moment Moment his podcast i almost forgot the intro line because we missed last week because you were convalescing (laughs) yeah yeah
1: well yeah that's right i was out with the with the covid with the corona
0: yeah but you're here yep and and
1: back to normal i think
0: new and improved and you're you're just you're back so yeah um Spoiler alert. We're talking about sex today. Yeah. So we know everybody's going to listen to the whole episode.
1: Yeah. You know right. what I think one of the most appropriate so- songs uh lines in the song about sex is, is let's talk about sex, baby.
0: Cuz that's where babies come from.
1: Right. So it seems very appropriate, you it know. It does. <laughs> yeah.
0: If it weren't for copyright issues, we could use that as the intro to the podcast. Yeah, let's, uh,
1: let's talk about sex, baby.
0: But we're talking about this good gift of sexuality, and it's really in response to a question that we got on the podcast here about how do I deal with and overcome sexual passion?
1: Yeah, and we first of all, thank you for the good and appropriate question.
0: <laughs> yes, because honestly, I think that as a culture, we're just so saturated with uh, sexuality as sort of a thing that we worship mm. uh, outside of the boundaries of God's good law that um, I don't even know if Christians are always always asking the question, how do I stay without in the good boundaries that God has? Yeah, or and even
1: to consult the church, the scriptures with regard to our sexuality. It just seems like yeah. it's the last place you might look.
0: It's kind of like that, like, all right, let's have the sex talk. You know, the <laughs> yeah. people don't always come to the church for that. But if you read the scriptures, I mean, gosh, there's a lot in the scriptures about this topic, especially in the New Testament. And so huh. I wish we could preach about this more. And I think we have some plans to preach on this topic to some degree in the future. Um, there's always this like hesitancy of like, yeah, but the kids are here. Um, right. Or but grandma's here. Yeah. I mean, people get a little bit like, <laughs> eh, let's not talk yeah, about that.
1: <laughs> squeamish.
0: But I mean, like, I would rather have my kids learn about sex from church. Totally. About the good blessing and the boundaries they're in rather than, like, on the internet Yeah. or the locker room Yeah, or right. middle I, school jokes. I just,
1: I just learned uh, from uh, a biblical scholar, Tim uh, McKee or Mackey. Tim Mackey. Tim Mackey. He's yeah. the guy who, who does the Bible Project. Oh, yeah, we know that. But he was saying that the, the, the uh, Song of Solomon, You know, which is pretty graphically sexual, right? It is. It's not, it's, and it's not ashamed, but it's sexual content in the Bible, right? So it should tip us off. But he was saying that that whole prayer, that whole poem would have been read during the the Jewish Passover season.
0: Publicly. Yeah, it is part of the, one of those scrolls that's writ, uh, read during the, the Jewish Passover season. Yeah, yeah, so
1: everyone would have been there, you know, it, <laughs> at church. All the kids. Yeah, kids are there, yeah. you know, at all generations. And they're all just listening to this semi-erotic poem, you in know, that talks about in the Bible about this love between uh, a bride and a bridegroom. And it just would have been something that happened every year.
0: Yeah, wow. So you
1: would have been used to it.
0: Well, so yeah, so you're all hooked now. Um, and, uh, but we need a good dad joke.
1: Okay. All right. I, I, yeah, so the dad joke today is, is, uh, doesn't have to do with the topic at all. It's okay. about, <laughs> it's about, uh, it's more of a Christmas. We just had our Christmas children's program and we, and we were talking about the Gloria, the song of the angels and right. angels coming to the shepherds. So this is a kind of in that realm. So what did one shepherd write in his Christmas card to the other shepherd?
0: I really do want to know. Tell me.
1: All I want for Christmas is you. Ew.
0: Like E-W-E? E-W-E, yeah. So <laughs> it's funny because that's what sheep say, right? <laughs>
1: that's right, yeah. Kay. So if you're hanging out with sheep a long time, you, you start using that language maybe.
0: That one is maybe a little bit better read than spoken.
1: Yeah, I guess spoken It's kind of bad.
0: You just made that up on the spot, <laughs> didn't you? I was just
1: waiting for oh some place.
0: Wow. <laughs> All right. So,
1: <laughs> let's, Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's move on.
0: Um, yeah, so we have really three points that we want to focus on today, dealing with this, this question of how do I overcome sexual passion? And the first point that we have is maybe a little bit counterintuitive, but I think it's worth saying that sexual passion is good and not something to necessarily be overcome. Yeah. Um but used rightly. Right. And this goes this goes
1: back to, you know, sexuality is God's. It belongs to God. It was his idea. It's his deal, right? Right. Yeah. And and he says it's good many times. Um Right. You know, we we mentioned the Song of Solomon, this entire poem in the Hebrew scriptures that celebrates the, this gift of intimacy, and so I think maybe the first thing we need to do is just recognize that that is such a huge step. Christianity is not prudish, right? it's yeah. not anti-pleasure or anti-sex.
0: It's not anti-sex or anti-pleasure, exactly. And 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 the Christian faith is very much a in the body right. affirmation of the goodness of being human. And so, unfortunately, somehow, there's been this, like, shame that's, that's been coupled with Christianity and the topic of sexuality. And, and that's really kind of heretical. It's, it is, It's yeah. heresy, and it comes from this denial of the body, this denial of the, of the passions that we have. Um, but I think that sometimes there's this shame around it because there are so many what we call sexual sins. And, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because the more dignity and honor there is to something, the, the greater a gift is, the more you're going to protect it and, and set boundaries around it. So in scripture, we do see a lot of boundaries around sexuality, right. but the thing that we need to remember is that those boundaries exist because of the goodness of the gift. Just like, you know, like if you have a really precious painting in your house I mean, you're going to lock the door <laughs> and maybe have a security system, you know, like you're, you're going to really guard it and, and make sure that it's protected. And in the same way, with this good gift of sexuality, God is putting these boundaries around it to protect it. So we need to always make sure that when we talk to our kids about sex, when we preach about the topic of sexuality, we're not starting with no, but we're starting with yes, yeah, that this like is a that. good thing from God.
1: Yeah, I think, and that maybe you know, there's kind of a caricature, like you said, you know, like this kind of Victorian era, Christian, you know, really cold towards anything passionate, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that is really, it, like you said, it's heresy. It's really toxic because God, you know, in Christ came down to make us more human, mm-hmm. more um, owning our original you know, status as good human creatures in this world, rather than less human. He didn't come down to make us escape our bodies and get out of, ta- get out of town, but rather to, to enhance us as far as being fully human, fully alive, mm-hmm. uh, endowed with all the good gifts that he's given to us, celebrating them in the, in the rightful way.
0: Yeah. And so one of the ways I like to think about this is the analogy of electricity. So Electricity is this wonderful invention that really makes a lot of things work in the world, whether it be heat or light or technology. Uh, but electricity is also very dangerous and lethal. And so electricity, if it's flowing in the current of a wire with boundaries, right? Because yeah, insulation you know, around it. Yeah, that's yeah. a boundary. The, the, um, the covering over the wire is a boundary that channels the electricity to its proper function its proper end and it protects us that's great yeah and it's the same thing with sex i mean sexuality experienced within the safe boundaries of marriage to the good ends that god has has ordained it for that will accomplish beautiful and good things but whenever we take electricity and like take off the make like a live wire, you know, just mm-hmm. hanging out. Yeah. Outside of the boundaries, it becomes all of a sudden destructive. And so when sexuality is experienced outside of those, those good boundaries of marriage, then it becomes something that can be destructive both physically and spiritually and relationally. Um, it can begin to break down. Um, the greater the gift, I would say the more potential there is for brokenness. Yeah. When we abuse it.
1: Well, and everyone knows that, you know, about sexuality in particular. I mean, a lot of people just try to think that there's no consequence, no negative downside, you know, to promiscuity mm-hmm. or some, let's say, sexual sin. But everyone knows there is. You know, if you think about, you know, sexual assault, uh, rape, you know, everyone knows that's a, a terrible violation of someone's humanity. Yeah, um, and and
0: you think about at people at the end of their lives, would the person who had you know countless partners,
1: mm-hmm.
0: would they on their on their deathbed say, hey, that was all worth it, in comparison to the person who was faithful to that one partner, right. their husband or wife for life, and really use sexuality as a way to, to love another person and build something beautiful and lasting. Uh, right. There's going to be no regret there. Exactly. Um, but uh, so just one closing thought, I think, yep. here on this sexual passion being good is uh, always go back to my, my main man, C.S. Lewis, the ever-quotable yeah. uh, British friend of ours. May he rest in peace.
1: I want to I hang out with him in heaven. Me too. Yeah, would be like fun that. to have dinner with. Maybe smoke a pipe. And Absolutely,
0: and have, have a pint, a port, and <laughs> maybe wear a tweed jacket. <laughs> uh, now <you're> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so C.S. Lewis, the ever quotable Lewis, says that uh, this is a mere Christianity, by the way, which you should read. Uh, He says that Christianity, uh, above all the other religions in the world, affirms the body and the goodness of being human. And so he says that our passions or our desires are not in and of themselves bad. In fact, nothing that God created is evil. It says that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that God has created is good, including our desires. However, our desires become evil. Good things become evil when they are used in the wrong amount. So we think of gluttony, making an idol out of something, when sex becomes God rather than a gift, Uh, when uh, our desires are used at the wrong time. So, you know, sexuality experienced outside of of, say marriage and then also something that is used um, in the wrong way. Hmm. And so using that gift of sexuality in in the wrong way. So. Anything in God's creation yeah. that is good can be used in the wrong way, the wrong amount, and the wrong time, and thus become something that uh, is sinful.
1: Right. I think, actually, I really like C.S. Lewis as well when he talks about that our desires often are not great enough.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: he says that we're kind of like kids who are uh, playing you know, in a puddle, uh, a mud puddle, and thinking that's the greatest thing in the world— when we c- could because we cannot conceive of how great a, a holiday at the beach would be. Right. And so, you know, his, one of his um, observations is often we, we don't understand how great our desires should be. We don't desire enough. Right. So applying that to sexuality, you know, a lot of times what we, th- you know, that lust that's forcing us to kind of a, a sinful end. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, objectifying someone else or whatever it might be. Um, thats We think we know what we want is just that kind of pleasure. Mm -hmm. But we don't understand that the gift that's behind that is like kids, grandkids, you know, a heritage. Relationship, yeah. yeah. The amount Mm -hmm. of joy and lasting pleasure that can actually come uh, from healthy sexuality. We need to desire and understand how great that gift is and increase our desire for it.
0: Yeah. And here's where I think that we as human beings, because of our brokenness, because of the fall into sin, is that we will sometimes take God's good gift and run into the corner with it all by ourselves Mm -hmm. and say, I want this gift, but I don't want the giver. Or I want this gift above the giver. Mm -hmm. And so I think that... um, I think it's Ernest Becker is a sociologist. He, he says that he talks about this concept of apocalyptic romance. Mm. And it's this idea that in a culture where God is not front and center as the, uh, the chief end <laughs> that we're after, um, there's this vacuum. And in that vacuum, in the absence of God's presence, we will take our passions, whether it be food or um, our pride, or whether it be... Um, our passion for, for lust, and that becomes God. And so we've kind of like taken sexuality and made it into its own God, and we worship it and bow down to it. Um, and we really think that this is the thing that's gonna make us complete. I mean, every and every teenage kid kind of thinks to some extent that sex is the holy grail that will make my life completely <laughs> <Yeah>. meaningful. <laughs> And, but then really a a mature understanding of sexuality, a Christian understanding is, you know, sex is great, but it's not the greatest thing. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's something you can live without. And it's something that you don't need. (laughs) Right. And, And it's something that is completely and utterly not the center of existence when we think about Jesus, because Jesus is the source and the fountain of all joy. This is eternal life that we would know Christ and, and sexuality is just one of those many gifts that God gives to us. Um, so really seeing what's behind the gift is the giver. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, God, be yeah. fruitful and multiply.
0: Yeah, right. so let's move on to yeah. this next point, uh, and that is this. We've established the goodness of sexuality, but we also know there are some boundaries around sexuality. And so point number two is that sexual sin is really the thing that needs to be overcome and what we should take seriously. And I would say that as a culture, even within the church, we don't even necessarily know what the boundaries are anymore. Um, I think we can sum up the boundaries, kind of the, the know that God speaks through a Greek word. It's uh, a Greek word that we get some English words from. It's right. the Greek word pornea. Right. What's and, pornea?
1: Well, it actually, it's a pretty broad Definition, but it just basically was used in the New Testament to refer to anything that was sexually immoral. Um, So sexual immorality is often translated, but it means kind of this lewd, lewd behavior in mind, unfaithfulness, unchastity, um, adultery, adultery, fornication, yep, Yep. Um, all that, yeah, all that stuff. So it's kind of it's used to to talk about all of, and generally in the New Testament, it's talking about the Greek culture and the Roman culture too, but the Greeks were really the ones that were promiscuous.
0: They were kind of experts at it. Yeah. In In fact, it was part of their religion too. That's right. That's why in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about pornea, which by the way, is where we get the word pornography in English. Yeah. If you didn't pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Paul talks about this within the context of visiting uh, temples and idol worship because the way that it would work is that you'd go to this temple and you part of your worship and your sacrifice would be that you'd visit a temple prostitute either a male or female temple prostitute and and that would be part of the worship um so um
1: yeah it was it was not good and i think in well in corinth he really spends I think, the bulk of his time really addressing this issue. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's rampant there. And Corinth is like kind of New York, maybe. or It's a, it's it's a, a cosmopolitan yeah.
0: center where people are kind of hooking up. Right. Uh, and, Tinder and, yeah. was not invented then. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was cl- um, not, not far away from Not that. far away. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, cause, I mean, so imagine that you're a new Christian. You're, ba- you're freshly baptized. And, and you've been going to the temple prostitute your whole life. And it's right. just a part of, well... If you have an urge, you go, and 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 now you're a Christian. And Paul's saying, well, now that you're in Christ, you can't fornicate, <laughs> yeah. you can't practice pornea. But but the, the the issue is is that pornea, sexual immorality, is just so deeply rooted in our post-Christian Western culture. I mean, for example, Pornhub, which is this pornographic website, I believe makes more money <laughs> than like, I mean, the amount of money that mm-hmm. that these pornographic sites make is like more money than like all sports combined. It's this kind of under the surface sickness in our culture that kind of goes unseen, but it's really eating away at the integrity of the church and the integrity of our own relationships.
1: Yeah. it's If you start to research kind of these statistics, it's really disheartening. And I think one thing that I'm noticing is it just corrodes. It corrodes people's morality, so they they no longer see anything wrong with it. Yeah, and I think that's the intentional push from companies like Pornhub. But the underbelly is they're like enslaving, you know, th- hundreds of thousands of mostly women. Oh yeah, I just read
0: world. a uh, there was a a New York Times piece about this talking about that. Pornhub allows people to upload their own videos. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these these videos of like underage kids and these yeah. videos of people who don't have permission for these videos. And it's really a pretty sick industry. And, and, and we could devote an entire episode or five episodes to this. But, um, you know, I think that in our culture, because of the sexual revolution, you know, because of the change in morality with sexual ethics, we've been gradually just kind of lulled into letting go of our standards in the church. And so, you know, yeah. the idea of promiscuity or living together before marriage, I mean, all these things are just kind of like, well, why wouldn't I do that? Of
1: course. Um, you and, know, and it's not only that, but it's infiltrating the rest of our mindset too, you know? So think about the rise of kind of like the semi-pornographic, uh, shows on TV, you know, like Game of Thrones is like extremely pornographic, but it's mainstream. Yeah. Where or even
0: like the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated. Right.
1: Right. Just keeps pushing those boundaries. Right. Um, right. And I think it's it spells disaster. <laughs> you know, I I think unless people under start to understand what's at stake and yeah. start to really make a stand, including the church, you know, we, you and I grew up in the, in the generation that really was affected by the internet, and we've seen mm-hmm. the destruction of that, Yeah. and I think, man, it's just, it's a battle line that is real serious. Well, let's listen to s- some of the things that the scriptures say. Um, why don't we just go straight to what Jesus says uh, in Matthew 5? Um, he says this, you know, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. I say that to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And your if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. So we just when oh man when when Jesus speaks to this issue he mm. is not messing around.
0: Yeah, he's using like hell language. Yeah. And, and I think that that should really like, you know, um, yeah, so maybe the church shouldn't be so silent on this issue. Yeah, maybe we should talk about sex more on Sunday because I'd rather have my kids learn about sexuality and the goodness of the gift and the boundaries of it in church rather than being like, oh, quiet, we can't talk about that because the yeah. kids are here. I mean,
1: I mean, and what's... Cool about Jesus is, first of all, he's defending women. It seems to me here. Yeah, for real. Really talking about to men, but also, I mean, he just he just points out this heart issue. You know, it's a heart issue, Mm -hmm. and he's after that lust. He wants the source of this evil to be cast out. Um, Yeah. And so that's that's interesting. You know, he's not just saying the behavior, but he's just saying it's the heart.
0: It makes me think of a, a G.K. Chesterton quote where he says that love is the great conqueror of lust. Hmm. The idea that, you know, uh, lust really doesn't have a, a long-term vision mm-hmm. for a healthy relationship and even consent <laughs> right. and things like yeah, that. Right. And um, But here Jesus is talking about, you know, using sexuality with with a long-term What's the good of the other person? Whereas lust is just focused on somebody's own desires being satisfied. Uh, I'm going to read First Thessalonians chapter okay. 4. I think this is a really good text from Paul that summarizes kind of what he was dealing with in a very sexually immoral culture. Um, he says in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, For this is the will of God. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, what is the will of God for my life? Well, hmm. here we go. This is the will of God your sanctification, your being made holy. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, from pornea, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Okay. It's, <clears throat> it's almost like Paul saying this mark of the Gentiles is they have no self-control and they, and they just give free reign to their passions. But this is not how you learned the Lord Jesus, right? That's Um, right. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I like how he's just straight up like, this is God's will that you abstain from this in particular. He must have just really been working with this church on this issue in particular. Uh, And again, yeah, as we're trying to call people out of a culture that dehumanizes sex Mm -hmm. and makes it cheapened. um, I think the answer, you know, I I really like 1 Corinthians. There's so much in that. In, in what St. Paul says there. But one of the things he says that is striking is that uh, you are not your own for you were bought with a price. So therefore glorify God with your body.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so he points to the gospel mm-hmm. um, as the motivation. The gospel is that my body now belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And and he has paid the full purchase price for it with His his body, right, his blood. And so because of that, we're to, to understand our bodies as, as belonging to Him, and we're to honor that as such. So it's a very positive motivation.
0: It is. Yeah, and and he's really saying, too, that this is a very dignifying thought and a sobering thought at the same time. He, in that context, says that your body is the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. so he goes on to say, would I join the temple of God with the prostitute? And, yeah. Um and so, yeah, uh, let's just read maybe one more scripture here. Sure. Uh, how about Hebrews 12, 15 through 16? Okay. Uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal.
1: Yeah, I I really like this text. I think it, there's a little bit of humor in this, but you know the the story in the Old Testament, Jacob fools uh, his father into thinking that he is the oldest son, and so he'll obtain the birthright, he'll obtain the status of the household leader, and the the you know the riches that come along with that. And uh, Esau, I'm sorry, I'm getting the story wrong, aren't I? Because this was when Esau was out hunting and he was yeah. super hungry.
0: It's a little bit before that, I yeah, think. That's there's right, kinda like there's two, two moments yeah. with the birthright where where I think that Jacob just says to Esau straight up, like, Hey, if you want this food that I'm eating, yeah, you know <laughs> so, so Esau
1: goes out hunting, he apparently doesn't get anything. He comes home and he's super hungry and and uh Jacob makes a bowl of soup. It's like bean soup, it's like chili. Yeah. <laughs> and and Esau's like, man, give me that. I'm so hungry. I just can't stand it. And Jacob's like, I'll give it to you if you sell me your birthright.
0: And he's like, fine, yeah. take it. <laughs> so Boom. yeah, he kind of despises like this greater gift in favor of this smaller gift. And yeah, and so that's the point. The point is that we don't want to sell out and go after smaller things because really lust and, and sexual sin is, is not receiving the full blessing that God wants to give you. Exactly. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, monogamous, safe relationship um, right. that honors and glorifies God. And is
1: blessed. Yeah. You know, he wants it to be a blessing and not a curse. And so, yeah, I think it's a really good um, connection for the author of the Hebrews to make because, yeah, that's the temptation, right? The temptation is satisfy your hunger.
0: Sounds like a Snickers commercial. Yeah, <laughs>
1: just yeah, right? Grab a Snickers. Um, but behind that is this great loss. There's a yeah. great loss, and so we don't want to lose the birthright. We don't want to lose the blessing by it. just because we're, our appetite is up, and so it calls us to holy thinking, holy living, and looking forward to something that's greater.
0: So let's spend our final moments talking about some strategies. Just Kay. some ways to some practical things to do or to to practice so that we can overcome these things um, you know we only overcome these things by the grace of god mm-hmm. and and I really believe that the first step for somebody who's really struggling and maybe losing the battle with sexual temptation is to is to be honest and confess our sins mm-hmm. i mean that's kind of the the main place is, is to you know, it's sort of this language of addiction, you know, where we say I'm powerless and I can't overcome this on my own effort. And and admitting that before God, your great need for the gospel, for forgiveness, for mercy. And that might even start with you just acknowledging that God's right. <laughs> you know, that, that what what the scripture says is good and it's right. And I'm not going to argue with it or try to find a loophole. And coming to terms with that and admitting that I need forgiveness and I need help. And I think a next step beyond that is to seek out some accountability because Mm -hmm. you're not going to overcome these temptations alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said that sin does its best work in the darkness, but when you bring it out into the light, then it loses a good deal of its power. And so if you're able to say to another Christian, another brother, another sister in Christ. Pr- the same gender, yeah, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, don't, I don't think you should seek, you Confide know, help in from yeah. somebody of the opposite sex. Right. Um, you know, find that person who's a good, trusted, accountability person. And, and it may be your pastor. You come to yeah. your pastor and say, hey, I wanna just confess these things and come clean and, and hear that word of forgiveness and that word of encouragement that yes, no matter how many times you failed, God forgives you. He gives you a brand new start. He cleanses you. He washes you. Um, I think that's important too, because sometimes, at least as I was, you know, growing up in high school, college, in the church, there's this kind of purity culture in which. Mm-hmm the worst sin you could ever commit would be a sexual sin. Right. You know, that you would break the vows of your purity ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and we'd we you ruin
1: your future marriage or something. Yeah, like yeah. That.
0: And we yeah. need to that's really right. have this this understanding of the healing, restoring grace of God. That well,
1: yeah. I, I think I you know, I love I think that's absolutely my number one recommendation is like don't go it alone. Yeah. You know? And I think you have to kind of develop and this is good good reason to develop Christian friendships and also to develop a a relationship with your pastor, you know, and I think that's just some work that all Christians need to do. Yeah. Um. But to be able to say, look, I'm a human and I'm, you know, a red-blooded male, red-blooded female, and I, I need help with this. And I, you know, it's not easy. And so surprise, everyone knows what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And there's really, there's no shame in this because, I mean, this is something that that a good majority of people struggle with. Absolutely. And there are some people who have been given this gift of celibacy and they just feel content with, you know, I don't feel that desire, that urge, but the good majority of people, uh, that's the way God created them uh, to um, have sexual desires. And that's not something to be ashamed of but we want to live within the blessing and not outside of the boundaries.
1: Yeah. And this, this is an Achilles heel for a lot of people because mm-hmm. we're swimming in this hyper-sexualized culture and it's just a difficult era to be facing that. Yeah.
0: And, and, and the church is a hospital for sinners. And exactly. so we need to be able to um, have those conversations. Yeah. Cool. I think another thing that I would add is just really cultivating a devotional life. Hmm. Because uh, we, I think that our desires are rightly ordered and handled when our highest desire is placed on Jesus. And we recognize his desire for us mm. as his people. And as we just continue to soak in this beautiful truth that we're part of a bigger story than our own desires. And even the desires we have fit into a bigger story of what God is doing in all of creation. Then that allows us to really begin to rest in in, in something bigger than even our own sexuality, and yeah. and uh, so really cultivating that time in the Word, that time in prayer, devoting ourselves to the Scriptures, to worship, those things are really important.
1: Yeah, and I think in general that um, the move is again, don't try to go it alone, and don't try to like fix yourself. Um, you know, that's not the answer. It it seems intuitively like the answer, but the answer is to go in, in the direction of God, right? And the yeah. answer is to go in the direction of outside help. And mm-hmm. so you're not going to do a good job of rewiring your desires, but God is really good at that. Yeah. That's his MO.
0: Yeah, and it's a lifetime process, too. It is. Yeah. Well, and, and and just as a word of caution, too, I mean, let's say that some of our listeners are... Well, let me say this first you know, we might have listeners who are married. I would say this episode is for you. It is. Because marriage is not a silver bullet to overcoming sexual temptation. Uh, Whether that be, you know, a temptation with, you know, to adultery or it be a temptation to pornography or romance novels that are kind of (laughs) taking your mind in the wrong direction. Um, and 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 I would also say that this is for singles too. This yeah. is for and maybe even for those who are engaged or who have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, this episode's for everybody. Uh, totally. But I don't I don't want young, unmarried Christian singles to think that marriage is a silver bullet for overcoming sexual temptation because that's going to be ruinous for your marriage. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you'll just be surprised that that's not the case. <laughs> you know, it's like. Right you still have to work at it to be faithful, and it's the same game. I mean, there is, I would say there is a consolation within marriage, Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I love one of the prayers that we say um, when people get married. Actually, it's in our liturgy that we pray that um, our marriages would be a fortress for the tempted, Mm. and I've, it really struck me a few times. I've prayed it, and I think that is the case. I think marriage does that is the place where God says here's where sexuality can flourish and is blessed. And so for s- singles do have a particular challenge, but know that the challenge doesn't go away um completely.
0: Yeah, and also the challenge is common. I mean, it's all of us are called to celibacy for a good portion of our yeah. lives. I mean, so, you know, if we are in that place of singleness um, we've all been there if we're married we've had that season of self-control and and celibacy yeah and and god calls us to live in that season and it i believe it can be leveraged for us to really set our desires upon that which is even greater than sexuality and that is the gift of god himself yeah yeah
1: um yeah i think the last kind of practical thing, and we've kind of, it's kind of all related, I would say, but if you are, you know, in a, in a single situation, uh, I would say pray for a godly spouse and begin to pursue a godly spouse. Yeah. Um, and that means ordering your um, your habits, you mm-hmm. know, ordering your friendships uh, to prepare for that kind of relationship. Yeah. You know, so that means maybe spending a little less time playing video games, <laughs> maybe just spending a little bit more time thinking about what is it going to be like to have that mature uh, relationship. Um, yeah. And and also just praying that God would bring that gift into your life. Yeah. Um, knowing that it is a good gift from God.
0: Sounds like church is a good place to meet a spouse.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um.
1: Absolutely. You know, the Walter League back in the day, it was basically trying to hook up. Lutherans
0: yeah yeah (laughs) so it was like e-harmony for Lutherans.
1: (laughs) yeah we should we should and that's like what they were unabashedly doing you know all like the 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 mothers and fathers are all just matchmaking
0: right wow (laughs) um yeah and I I also think too that just as a kind of a closing thought here too is just to be to be really wise about the situations we're putting ourselves in um you know We don't want to put ourselves into situations where we're going to be tempted, you know. So, you know, let's say that you're in college, you know, like probably shouldn't stay over at, you know, your boyfriend's dorm room or something like that. You know what I mean? Just things like that where it's like, you know the thing with sexual temptation is that you don't want to put yourself into situations where things can go from zero to 60 pretty quickly. Yeah. And before you know it, you know, things have progressed. And so, yeah, just a word of of caution there, you know, just don't put yourself into these situations that are going to be not wise. Maybe have some accountability of like, you know, if I'm going to go on a date, like let's do a double date, you know, or, and Hey, uh, maybe my roommate, Hey, uh, I'm planning on being back by this time. Can you check in on me? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think that um be careful about who who your friends are too, right? Because if your friends are in a place where they're like, Hey, I'm I'm probably gonna hook up with my girlfriend today or this weekend or something, it's like that is gonna affect the way you think. Yeah. And so be careful about the messages that you're allowing into your heart and, and who you're spending your time with. It really does it'll make it easier or harder to to be faithful. So be cautious about what your friends think about this topic, too, and know that that's going to be a, either an anchor for you or it's going to be something that's going to just cut you loose.
0: Yeah. And and don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Just find a better show.
1: Yeah, I th- I do think, you know, and so just practically, like, when, when my wife and I are watching shows on Netflix or whatever it might be, I mean, you just pretty much can't avoid some kind of sex scenes, right? And so... But I've just begun to just fast forward because you just don't need to look at other people doing anything like that. And yeah. if you, if you want, you're you're an adult. You can watch this content, but just be careful. I mean, I'm at a pa- I'm a pastor. I'm you know I'm married, but I'm like I'm, not, I'm just not gonna let that influence my marriage, my mind. It's just not worth. Yeah. It's not. It's not even that important part of the story
0: a lot of really good movies have been ruined by an awkward sex scene. (laughs) exactly yeah so
1: actually most plot lines are ruined either because they're driving towards a sex scene or they're driving towards a gratuitous violence scene yeah if you've noticed and i just think be aware of that kind of stuff
0: well um that's the episode and uh we'll be back at it next week
1: yeah i'm not sure that we'll Take up this topic again, but
0: well, we'll get we'll get back to this topic eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's a big topic, but uh, yeah. But hey, by the way, uh, w- we do have the audiobook. book, um, and so Head Heart Habits. If you want to check that out, maybe some good holiday listening. You know, over yep. the the break, um, that is really just a, an overview of the essentials of the Christian faith and how it impacts us at every level of our existence. Uh, we should have that fully released by the end of the year. So,
1: cool. That'll be a good resource going forward. So, all right. Well, God's blessings and blessed Advent as we look forward to the coming of Christ. Amen.